It's time for the Access of Easy podcast, the weekly technology digest that keeps you ahead of the curve. Brought to you by EasyDNS.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Access of Easy number 288, brought to you by EasyDNS. My name is Joey in the other panel, the other voice you'll hear is my co-host, Len. Buddy, how are you doing today? Lots to talk about. Lots of interesting news in the world of tech, privacy, and hacking again this week, front front and center in the uh, in the newsletter. What's up? Yeah, I'm not the, the culprit doing the hacking, and nor am I the person on the receiving end of the hacks. I'm just reading everything that I see. And yeah, I'm good over here looking what's going on and very happy that I'm living in a world where I'm trying to control my destiny, my privacy, my data, and everything like that. So yeah, everything is good over here. How about you, Joey? You enjoying the sun over there? Because it's been rather sunny for the past couple of days. It was a great day. Weather's, you know, due to warm up here. We're going to get dumping here in Southern Ontario tomorrow, probably. But after that, Len, I'm, I'm getting the shorts out. So since uh, we... <laughs> I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> well, yeah, I am not. I'll tell you what, since, since we didn't last week, we should talk about the quote of the week. So last week's quote was, it does not matter how slowly you go as long as you do not stop. It was by Confucius, no winner for a second week. And then this week's quote, get your facts first, then you can distort them as you please. The rules, same as always, no searching. They have to be posted at the bottom of the post in the comment section. So take Can a stab. Don't Can cheat. Do, do not cheat. Cheating is so lame, man. Yeah, like, not being, not chat GPT, none of that come on, garbage. Come on. We don't need that. Knowledge. We don't need that. So Len, hit me with the uh, first story from this week's newsletter. All right. So we have uh, the danger of weaponizing disinformation into the controversial actions of the Global Disinformation Index. And what is this? Well, it's if you want to go check it out, it's a website, www.disinformationindex.org. And it's a stealth black listing operation. And, uh, well, certain speech is what they're labeling as disinformation. So this group, and they're trying to label some of the speech that comes out through some parties and as a disinformation. And their mission is, quote, to disrupt the business model of disinformation. To reduce disinformation, we need to remove the financial incentive to create it, end quote. And really the most impactful way to hurt somebody or something is to make them feel some financial pain. When you hurt them in a pocketbook, it hurts them more than ever. And in their on their website, they named 10 different organizations that companies should consider not sending over their advertising dollars. And some of these companies, just a couple of them off the top of my head here, is New York Post and Daily Wire. There's a bunch of others, but those are two that I'm familiar with, and I've I've seen their, some of their information on Twitter and so forth, and I've read it. And, yeah, uh, unfortunately, this disinformation group, they want to chop these guys at the knees. And one thing to note here, there's the commonality amongst all the companies that they listed, all these 10, is that they have conservative or libertarian type slants. And digging deep, because there's another topic later on, and we could just dive into that right now, is the funding of this. You could find out who's funding it. Soros was funding this. Even the US government is funding this disinformation group, or they were at one time, they were sending dollars through what was something called a national 
Endowment for Democracy. What an interesting name to send money Unreal. for this type of thing. So <laughs> it was discovered by Congress. And as of that, uh, once it was uncovered and brought to life, light, um, the public dollars stopped flowing. They stopped sending money over to this place. But really this highlights that there still seems to be this desire for a cancel culture and to proceed with that if it's not within your own ideas or beliefs that you want to cancel it you don't want to talk it out or hash it out it's more just let's get that this thing out of my face and get it out of this world also another thing is i think they're trying also to potentially debank these people because if you're going to be chopping them at the knees financially what better way than to do it by debanking them enjoy you and i we could talk about this topic for quite some time deplatforming Definitely, it's it's on the agenda. There's been people that have been deplatformed on various platforms, including the one that, unfortunately, people are probably going to watch it here on YouTube. Just today, I got news that one Bitcoin channel called Bitcoin Reserve, their channel was terminated for what it was called severe or repeated violations of community guidelines. And really, they're just out there just feeding information. What is Bitcoin? So um, YouTube sometimes is not very friendly to what information is what they want content creators want to provide so in the end this is something which the way i'm looking at it is double standards there's my way or the highway this disinformation they're going to be attacking these conservative or libertarian sites or these other companies that are that share these type of values not very good and very concerning is that some of this was funded by public dollars that's pretty scary stuff Strap in here for a second with me. Let's go on a journey together. Mm. There was a time, let's say around 2016, 17, whenever Trump won the election, where cancel culture really took hold, right? When I, when I remember, what I remember from that era was that there were certain people who at the time I viewed as fringe uh, talking about how cancel culture was basically a product of government incentives incentive structures for sure but also basically government plants that the government was working behind the scenes to encourage this kind of behavior in grassroots groups vis-a-vis -vis funding vis-a-vis -vis other other methods other means you know this is from the united states these, these guys have toppled entire entire states before right entire foreign governments telling a bunch of people that you shouldn't be allowed to post on twitter is really you know light work as the kids say for the U.S. for the U.S. government, specifically the State Department here, which was the um, backer of the NED, uh, incredible name as you mentioned, Endowment for Democracy. There was a time when I thought, like I mentioned, that was a fringe thought. But now that we've kind of gotten away from the potent years of cancel culture, it's not quite as easy now to tell someone that someone who's using Twitter, tell a company that's you know po hosting content or. Uh, supporting video feeds or whatever. You mentioned YouTube, obviously that's a good one. Twitter we've talked about, Facebook is another. Uh, it's easy for those companies now, or easier I think, to say, no, we're not going to take stuff down. Facebook is a good example of this. They've basically stopped fact-checking news. They're not going to do it. They refuse to, to participate in that exercise. And so by, that very, by the very nature of that um, change in policy, They've they've exemplified what can be done for, by social media platforms. Musk obviously now owns Twitter and will absolutely, I would guess, not be taking stuff down that certain uh, political entities, parties, governments, whatever, don't like. But when I look at this storyline, what I can say is that there's a line between those two things, the 2016-17 sort of immersion of that way of thinking and government-funded endowments for democracy and, and things that are in the same vein. 
it's pretty clear to me that there's a line to be drawn here between the government trying to encourage that sort of behavior and then also them supporting it outright. Now, the question you should be asking yourself is, when is it going to come for me, right? There's that famous sort of set of quotes. I wish I knew the name or the author. I don't, but you know, I, they came for this group. I didn't say anything because I wasn't part of that group. Then they came for that group. I didn't say anything. When they came for me, there's no one left to say anything. We're seeing this a lot. We talked a little bit last week on Axis about, uh, I think, Bill C-11. Is that what it is? I forget now in Canada, where there's, there's limitations on what news you can see under the guise of CanCon. C-18, yeah. Under the guise of CanCon. Well, CanCon is one thing, but if if we look directionally at where this is going, it's it's all headed the same direction. It's all headed in someone else deciding what you can see, can say, and can do online under the guise of safety, democracy, and making sure that culture is supported. It's garbage. It's garbage. People should be aware of this stuff. And what the problem, the other problem you're going to see is that, unfortunately, the sort of natively online population, kids who are under 20 years old, let's say, who've never known not having a cell phone in front of them, never known not having a tablet, never known not having high-speed internet connections, these these po- these kids in this population are not going to know any different. They're not going to know what the free internet look like. They're not going to have anything to compare it to. And there's a danger there because things that are not organic for you and me are very much organic for people younger than us. And that's exactly the opposite of what you want to see um, in a in an up and coming set of uh, set of internet users. So dangerous stuff, man. It's it's very very interesting that the government is openly engaged in this. And I should mention, by the way. All the stuff that's mentioned in the article, lab leak, COVID-related stuff, uh, censoring, shadow banning, was all conspiracy two years ago, and now it's all in front of Congress today. I think Matt Taibbi was actually talk, uh, talking to Congress in the United States about the Twitter files. So all those conspiracies, by the way, turned out to be right. They were trying to hide the truth, and you can make it that what you will, but it's it's disappointing and scary. He was getting grilled, by the way. Not, I'm not saying it was the right thing, but just they're they're fighting hard for the narrative and it's a it's a battle anyways we can move on we could talk about hackers that they used namecheap's email system to send fake dhl and metamask phishing emails now before i go on why is anybody using namecheap's email system i'm sure you could find a better one easy dns perhaps anyways uh (laughs) so the dns provider namecheap was as i mentioned they were hacked in their email accounts were or the email account was breached and as a result there was a bunch of phishing emails sent out to people and it looked like it came directly from both dhl and metamask so with respect to the metamask email and for people who are unaware what metamask is it's a wallet online wallet where you store your cryptocurrency assets so i don't know if you could store bitcoin on there but from what i understand it's more aligned with the ethereum side and all those altcoins along with that nfts you could do nfts on on metamask too i was wasn't aware so yeah yeah, there we are learn something new every day well so they were going out there people were sending out these phishing emails with the attempts to gain access to people's wallets and they were trying to ask for people to enter in their secret recovery phrase or private keys and also asking them to complete a KYC process. And from what I understand, there's no KYC process for MetaMask, but I could be wrong. I don't use it. I just from 
secondhand information. So that's a very, very interesting way to gain access to somebody's funds. Um, one thing I just want to make note is if you can, don't use MetaMask because this is custodial. If you can figure things out for yourself, do it because cold storage with anything, Bitcoin, and dare I say even altcoins, but man, just don't deal with, with custodial stuff because you're asking for, you're playing with fire there and it could potentially be lost. But with respect to the DHL one, I when I was first going through this, I was wondering how could anybody send a DHL phishing email and profit from this? Well, the way they were doing it, they were claiming that parcels were not delivered because of unpaid fees. Absolutely brilliant on their <laughs> part, but I, I'm not condoning it. But really more than anything is when you get an email, you just be very careful because it can be a phishing email. So if you have a computer, you could use the mouse to highlight where it came from and look very keenly what the email address is. And sometimes they, they add an extra dot to make it seem like it's coming from the actual source, but it's not. So just don't be a sucker like these people here that unfortunately gave up information for DHL or MetaMask because the people that did so, well, with the MetaMask, they lost whatever funds they had in their wallet. And with the DHL, if they gave some information to give uh, some extra money to have products delivered, they lost that money. So it's this is going to be a, a serious problem moving forward. It's too bad Namecheap's email was breached as a result of this or the email system was breached because that way they were able to gain access to all this information. But again, another, just don't use Namecheap. Use something more, more reputable. DNS, easy DNS. That's the way to go. I would argue that uh, anyone who had any money in MetaMask had basically lost the money already. Um, but I, you know, I don't want to take too many shots at the uh, altcoiners. I'll just also add here that it's it's weird to me that MetaMask MetaMask has been the subject of a number of these hacks, social engineering issues, uh, password leaks, uh, con like um, execution contracts that steal from the contents of the wallet. There's ways to uh, segregate certain things in the wallet from other things in the wallet. I don't know if there's a better way to describe that. I'm sure, I'm sure that there is, but off the top of my head, that's the best I can do. And it seems to me that no one's actually taking advantage of these features. And worse, the users of this wallet continue to just get rugged by people who are like sending phishing emails. This is stuff from like 1995, man. You know, yeah. phishing emails have been around for a long time. I don't understand how you're, you fall for this. Presumably you have some kind of technical competence if you're dabbling in NFTs or Len, maybe you don't. Maybe in fact <laughs> you don't, and this is another thing to consider, right? You know, maybe if it's the same crowd over and over again, it's possible that this this group of people just doesn't have the chops. I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible with my language, but it's it's very clear that there's either a problem with the application or the users. And I think, Len, at this point, we may have uh, a winner in that battle. So the DHL thing that is a good idea. The uh, fees, I I oftentimes when I get stuff sh uh, shipped to my house. I do have to pay fees on it because most places like, you know, uh, these independent sellers of crypto Bitcoin related uh, items from other countries don't have tax accounts and all this stuff set up so that the fees are not included in the, in the cost of the product. And, uh, I get those emails pretty often. I don't check them that well, but I think that if I looked at a DHL email, wouldn't you at least be looking for like a tracking number or something? Or Anything? even try to figure out what it is I ordered, not just blindly well, saying it's coming money. to the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gee, I didn't order anything from China within the past three months. Why is something being delivered now? Is it that mail order bride, perhaps? I don't know. And 
Unknown. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on, the last story we could talk about is the crypto exchange Coinbase. And they foiled an attacker's attempt to breach their systems through employee credentials. And it looks like a cyber criminal connected to the Octopus hacking group. And they use this very interesting way of spelling Octopus, so starting with the letter zero and then followed with a K. I, I like what these very interesting ways of spelling things, but that's just a side thing. But they tried, or this individual, either he or they, tried to use social engineering techniques to break into the company's corporate directory. And they tried sending out and did so, sending an SMS to fool one employee. They sent it out to multiple employees. And one of them was, in fact, able to click on the SMS link and there was a phishing link in, in there. So we we're just talking about a phishing story. Here it is once again. And this employee that was fooled entered his username and password into the phishing link. The hacker then used that to try to get into uh, in the internals of Coinbase. So use those credentials to go in even further. But there was a multi-factor authentication and MFA credential that stopped him or her from proceeding any further. And the hacker eventually ended up trying calling the employee, pretending to be Coinbase IT. It was just remarkable stuff here. But apparently the, the employee got suspicious. And it, this eventually thwarted the att attempt to get further into the Coinbase. This isn't the first time, though, that Coinbase has been subjected to some sort of attack, although this was not successful. They got kind of far. But they didn't go any further than the MFA part. In 2021, Coinbase was attacked, and it was, that hack ended up for a lot of people losing some of funds that they had on there. So again, I'm going to revert back to what I said earlier. If you leave anything on the exchange, you're just asking to get burned. This is an, another example where if they did get in, people that had money on Coinbase was going to, you know, going to be lost. You know, we have multiple examples: Mt. Gox, Quadrica, and many, many more. So the takeaway from all this, and this is in conjunction from what we were talking about last week, Joey. Don't click on crap in SMS messages. The SMS messages is definitely not a good way for two-factor authentication. Use something else, Google authentication, like the what they have there, or even something that's free and open source, like free OTP. And we discussed a few different options last week. Another thing is, if somebody's calling you on the phone and there's you know you don't know who it is, the, the number is uh, you know it seems like it's private or whatever. Be careful. Don't talk to them and give them information <laughs> freely. Again, don't leave information uh, any access to get people to get uh, leave access on like even um, cloud services or whatever to get uh, hacked. And also don't leave anything on the exchange, as I mentioned earlier. And password managers, this is probably the, the key one here. This is really a single point of failure. And I, I don't really talk about this all that much. Find a password manager that allows you to store your passwords locally, not on the cloud, because when you're utilizing a cloud service, that's a centralized attack where it could be, Anybody could go in and potentially get it. Um, I'm going to give you an option here is KeePass, K-E-E Pass is one free and open source that you could use. You could store it in your own system. You could then get the file and actually download it, encrypt it, and even store it somewhere on like a, a key or something and hide it somewhere so you have some real con uh, control over your data. But yeah, so Coinbase, they did a good job here eventually of stopping the attacker from going any further. But this is not the first time that they they have been subjected to something like this. And there's going to be multiple ones coming up very soon. So keep your eyes peeled. Don't leave anything on the exchange. Two-factor authentication, SMS, garbage, and password managers. Find a way to, to do your own password managers. Don't rely on cloud-based or some other third-party garbage. For sure. It's worth noting that uh, 
Coinbase actually thinks this is the same attacker, same group that took that took them or tried to take them for a ride last year in an octopus phishing campaign. And so th this has been going on for some time. They think, they think it's the same person. One thing I've always found interesting, and there's a quote in here from someone named Will Thomas of Equinix Threat Analysis Center. Uh, I don't know if you get, like if I look in my junk mail to find something, invariably there's hundreds, if not thousands of emails trying to scam me out of stuff from companies that are pretending to be Nike, Adidas, whatever. And I'm always interested in the website, the domain that they're using. And some of the ones listed here are actually pretty good, though they're not affiliated with Coinbase. You could try and nick somebody if they weren't paying attention, just woke up, didn't have their coffee, whatever, right? Here's here's a good one. SSO-CBHQ.com. That's not bad. SSO-CB.com. Pretty good. How about this one? If you got an email from this one, coinbase.sso-cloud.com that's that's pretty good like if you didn't get a lot of emails from coinbase you might get get conned there the problem is that this was going after coinbase a coinbase employee i'm pretty sure right so it's a little bit different when you actually work for the company and fall for this stuff uh again not really happy to hear that the people who are you know re responsible for I would guess at this point more than a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin and crypto assets on their platform, uh, and also you know carrying the torch as far as trying to deliver a positive regulatory outcome in the United States, are are employing people who you know are can be subjected to these types of attacks. Not great, man. Not great. So uh, all the best to, to our our friends at Coinbase, but uh, you know hopefully hopefully greener pastures on the other side of this. That's all I'll say. I have hope for them, but yeah. <laughs> You want to go to the Amiga story? We should. Well, why don't we do the uh, dark reading uh, Ukraine war story, the Ukraine war and cybercrime story. So this is an interesting one. It's I think it's the, the first one in the uh, newsletter. It's a, just a bit about how infighting, conscription, immigration uh, are causing movements in the kind of cybercriminal space. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here. It's quite it's quite a, a lengthy or it's, excuse me. It's quite a short uh, story, but. The, the interesting thing here, I think, is as we talked about last week, and as I'm sure will come up in other episodes of Axis, the sovereign individual thesis where people are working with skills that are transferable, can go across borders in a money, we think it's Bitcoin that works across borders, is for good guys and bad guys, for friends and enemies, as I say on our other show. And this is an example of enemies, quote unquote enemies, using the same methods of travel of uh flexibility of sovereignty i think would be the best term to to ensure that they're protected from government overreach now in this case it's sort of black hat hackers getting away from conscription getting away from war torn areas going to other places and the countries that take them in there's some talk here about estonia which is near and dear to me my wife is uh, estonian as you know and they're they're kind of a hub for what i think is you know probably coming as far as digital IDs and things of this nature. They're they're way ahead of the curve there. You should look into that if you haven't already, listener and viewer. Uh, it's interesting to see these guys all all taking flight from Russia and Ukraine. The, the thing that's, I think, worth noting as well is that in a time where in both countries, it's probably very difficult to leave uh, for people who are not being sought by the law for previous activities, who are not being, uh, you know, who are not uh, being attempted to uh, att attempted conscripts, right? Like trying to, uh, the countries are both trying to get these guys to join wars. It's probably difficult to leave if you're a legal, quote unquote, legal person. You know, the law likes you, 
if you're a criminal, it's got to be even harder. And yet it seems to me there's been no issues here taking off. People who are known for uh, developing software like raccoon stealer, information stealing malware, fled to Ukraine to avoid conscription. Like, okay, how, how did he get there? How did they, how did he get through two sets of border securities, a known, known quantity here, right? And uh, it's just another example that the brain power and the sovereign individual thesis operates on sort of both sides of the uh, both sides of your shoulder, right? The devil and the angel on your shoulder can do these things. And it's going to lead to an interesting outcome. There's a dynamic here that I think a lot of people haven't really fully considered. And the, the way that that plays out long term, unknown, but interesting all the same. I'm looking forward to see what the next 20 years of this type of activity looks like uh, in both black hat and white hat circles. What about you? What do you say? Different way of looking at it, too, because the fact that there is this ongoing war between Ukraine and Russia, and Russia has been known to do hacks in the past couple of decades or so, that they're usually behind them, North Korea, especially China. It gives them an operation that they could start uh, showing off their skill set and seeing how well they can, they can operate in a cyber warfare environment. Also, by doing so, it gives the United States a sideline view of what can potentially come and how they would be impacted by this. Because from what I understand, there was some cyber crimes or cyber security issues that, that was directed towards Ukraine by Russia, understandably so, because they were at war. And they were trying to undermine the Ukraine government. Um, they were trying to raise domestic support for the Russian war in Ukraine. So, And in fact, Google was responsible for trying to squell some of this and to try to ensure that this never appeared in people's search engines or search results because it violated their policies. But one thing to note is that George Dubinsky, I think I got his name correct. He's the deputy minister for security in the Ukraine. And he said, uh, one week before the invasion, we were able to store copies in the cloud. This is with respect to important information. Uh, they were able to move their critical data abroad to Amazon, AWS, Amazon, uh, Microsoft Azure, Oracle, and other vendors without any formality. So what I'm trying to get at, and I talked about it earlier, they were relying on the cloud, these cloud services for what they claim to be critical data. Now, I hope that it's encrypted to a, such a degree that it's going to be hard to access if somebody gets a hold of this. But they are relying on these points of failure. AWS, Microsoft, Azure, Oracle, and so forth, to hold on to this critical data. To me, that is a red flag. And they've noted this. They provided information to this. Now, hackers are aware where it's stored. I'm sure they're trying to access it. And I don't know. This is just a, a new type of warfare that we are going to be accustomed to moving forward. Boots in the ground seems to be now morphing into somebody with glasses and a hunchback looking at his computer and trying to <laughs> <laughs> using. So, yeah, I mean, so that's, that's the way I'm looking at it. It's different. Uh, it's going to be a different way moving forward, but certainly it, I think it's more of a, it's a testing pod right now. And I think the United States is looking at what is going on because they're going to be the recipients of something. If ever they are going to go to war with China, North Korea or Russia. I think you should well we should really it'll be you more than me since this is more your vintage more your uh, lane the mini mig version 1.91 you you we were talking before we started recording here about what a mini mig or mig is you, you said it's something about a commodore i don't know anything about this is way before my time so, <laughs> so take it away i don't know i have nothing to add here it looks great on the website it looks really cool 
Yeah. So, and then I'm not exactly sure what it is because I, from what I understand, I used the Commodore 64, and as I told Joey, a friend used uh, Commodore 128. So I'm more familiar with that. And the, the Commodore Amiga is something which is a 16-bit computer that it was light years ahead of the competition, and it had uh, preemptive multitasking, from what I understand, in the late 80s, long before Windows came out with this type of thing. So the Mini MiG has been released too much fanfare and it's uh, yeah it's something to do with uh what is it called here the amiga 500 is that what it is so i'm yeah. not exactly sure what this thing really does but the fact that they're releasing hardware for the amiga and i did some research there was an update to one of the uh, amiga os the first time the amiga os has been updated in the past 25 30 years so there seems to be some development behind the scenes by enthusiasts for the Amiga, and I love seeing that because vintage hardware, seeing it come to life again, life again, and people using it, this is what I want to see. And look, I'm wearing a, an old retro <laughs> NES shirt on top of it, so it's uh, far for the course with me. I got nothing to add. Glad, uh, glad you could tell me that story there, Grandpa. So <laughs> <laughs> back in my day, buddy. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> thanks, thanks everyone for tuning in, listening, watching. If you want more of us, the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast, head over there. And uh, if not, that's okay too, because we'll see you here same time next week. Take care of yourselves. Yeah, take care. <laughs>